Yo, Rob Harvilla from 60 Songs That Explain the 90s here to inform you that we are back with 30 more songs because the 90s were super long and had a ton of rad music. Please join us every Wednesday for more 60 Songs That Explain the 90s only on Spotify. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Calista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com FYC. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, it is Wednesday, May 4th, and we are going to get into a pretty substantial serious topic today with the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial. We had a kind of a halfway point because the Depp side of the case rested. Um, we, as we speak, are expecting Amber Heard to testify this afternoon. And it's a nice way for us to do a check-in on this case. I've been following it pretty closely. You very, very rarely, if ever, see this kind of detail about an A-list relationship in Hollywood um, spill out into the public. And it is an actual interesting legal and financial question as to what the possible damages are in this case. So we're going to get into that today. Um, Craig, first, though, I have to atone. I made a big error on Monday's show. I said that the Bruce Springsteen song, 57 Channels and Nothing's On, was a Dire Straits song, which I greatly regret. And I blame you for not catching me on that. I guilty as charged. I just, I assume that any like 80s music reference, you, you know what you're talking about, but. This is a 1992 song oh, okay. from Bruce Springsteen, which I know for you must be probably, you know, like still ancient history, but uh, it's it's something I should have known. And I, and I take full responsibility. Thank you, everybody, for reaching out. But um, all right, with that, we are going to get into the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. My guest is attorney Brett Ward, who is a divorce specialist. We will get into all the details. I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Brett Ward. Brett is a partner at Blank Rome in New York, and he is the co-chair of the law firm's matrimonial department, which is a 30-something lawyer group of attorneys all specializing in family and divorce law. Uh, I wanted to have him on today. And first, a, a, a disclaimer, you know, neither of us have inside information on this case. We are learning about it from the court proceedings. I have a little bit of history in that I have met Johnny Depp in the past. Um, I once profiled Amber Heard for Details Magazine, you know, over a decade ago, but neither of us have a horse in this case. We are learning about it just as everyone else does. So I just want to make that clear. We're also not going to comment today on the substance of the claims. A lot of it is pretty horrific. A lot of it is really detailed and frankly, disturbing. But uh, we're really going to get into the financial and legal issues at play here. We're going to talk about this as lawyers talk about this, you know, who's up, who's down, who's making the case to the jury. And, you know, if you think about it through that lens, I think there are some fascinating issues going on here. And that's why I wanted 
to have Brett on because he deals a lot in these high profile family separation cases. So thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So we saw last week that the Depp side presented some witnesses and evidence to show that he lost money. He lost wages, in his view, from the publication of this Washington Post op-ed written by Amber Heard. And he went into detail via his former CIA agent, his current manager, Jack Wiggum, and a couple of other witnesses that argued that if it weren't for this op-ed, he would have had a $22 million payday doing Pirate 6. He would have had $17.5 million in wages from other films and endorsements, and they used 2017 earnings to show what twenty seven, what 2018 might have been like if not for this op-ed. Um, and that's all part of his claim for damages here. What does he, on the damages question, what do you as a lawyer try to show when you are arguing for this? Is there is this the right strategy to say these movies were there if not for this op-ed? Like how, why is a jury going to believe that? Well, I mean, he, he had two um, aspects to this argument. Number one, he had Richard Marks, who was his Hollywood expert, come forward and say, you know, I have my thumb on the pulse of Hollywood and it was this event that turned things around for Johnny Depp. And the reason he needed to have Richard Marks on is because Johnny Depp had other problems in Hollywood. Yeah, um, everybody knew. Okay. I mean, it was it was notorious. He was, you know, a crazy person. And, um, you know, he was shooting Hunter Thompson's ashes out of a cannon. And he was doing all this. And Amber Heard had filed for a restraining order against him. So why this one op-ed? Well, what he, what, what Richard Marks testified to is that a person at, at Johnny Depp's level, okay, who is a superstar, the franchise, um, he can get away with being a diva or doing drugs. And that's what he said, that all the other crazy behavior they'll deal with. But due to the Me Too movement, the one thing you can't do now is have accusations like Amber made against him. And that that was the one thing. So he was tried for their side to pinpoint this was the turning point. So then you had the financial expert who couldn't, and that was um, Mike Spindler, who was the forensic accountant. You had him come forward and talk about just the numbers. And what he did, and we can talk about the merits of this because it was a little bit creative, he chose a year, a profitable year, 2017, prior to the op-ed, took what his wages were, then looked at what happened in 2019, because this the op-ed came out in December 2018, looked at 2019, 2020, and said, look how much lower it is. And since Richard Marks and his agent, um, Jack Wiggum, already, or manager Jack Wiggum, already said that the op-ed was the defining change, I can now calculate with numbers what he lost because you just look at how much less he made in those two subsequent years. All right, but there's a key fact here that has not really been discussed in this current case, but is pretty interesting, which is that Depp had already sued in the UK over these issues by the time Heard wrote her piece. He sued the son, a British tabloid, saying that it was false that they called him a wife beater. And that case was going on when Heard wrote this op-ed. Ultimately, the judge in that 
UK case made some pretty startling comments about the merits of that claim, saying it was probably true that he was a domestic abuser. Now, that had not come out at the time that she wrote her op-ed, but ultimately, that is, from everything I've heard, what caused Warner Brothers to cut ties on the Fantastic Beasts movies, was the verdict in the UK case. And there was all sorts of other noise around this. So if I'm Amber Heard's side, I highlight all these other things that were going on, including the UK case, including you know Johnny Depp had a very publicized fight with his agents and business managers that where all sorts of crazy facts about him came out. There are all sorts of other things here that they that she can cite besides this op-ed that caused everybody to think about him in a different way. I mean, you put your thumb right on it, and 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 when you look at the cross examination of. Uh, uh, Johnny Depp's experts. The questioning to those experts was, you can't say for sure that the fact that there were reports about him drinking vodka for breakfast on the set didn't hurt his reputation. You can't say that when she got the order of protection and had bruises all over her face, that that wasn't one of the things that Disney said, no, we don't want to work with this. They also have as you said, the, the the Sun article that came out, this was in April of 2018, which called him a wife beater. OK, you know, if you read Amber's op ed, it doesn't it isn't slaying Johnny Depp. It is a person coming forward and saying, I was a victim of abuse. And this is Hollywood's reaction to me. It really wasn't about Johnny Depp. But you had a Sun reporter before that saying in 2018 that he is a wife beater. So you're absolutely right. Not only did will they put that on in their case, but in their cross-examination of the expert witnesses that Johnny Depp put forward, they also poked holes at their conclusions because there's so many other issues that have happened and so many other people who have spoken. And as you said, he lost a trial that's basically on this same issue. I believe the verdict was in 2020 when right. they ultimately found, as you said, the judge found there was truth to these abuse allegations, which is basically the death knell of his claim if the jury, in this case, finds the same thing. Right, and it was going on in 2018 at the right. time that this op-ed came out. And I remember, I mean, listen, I was in a, a position at the time where we were covering a lot of this stuff at Hollywood Reporter, and we were talking to people at Disney and talking to people on the set of Pirates 5, and all of these people pointed to just an absolute train wreck situation. Um, mostly the the stuff that's come out, a lot of the drinking and drugs, and um, you know him not showing up on set. But a lot of it was based on rumors at the time of of abuse, not just. I mean, on both sides, there you know it was just it was a dysfunctional relationship. And we saw testimony actually today from the Amber Heard psychological expert who said that, you know, they didn't want, Depp didn't want a prenup because he said the only way out of this relationship is death. And that is something that alarmed a lot of the people in their lives and the psychologists involved. And, you know, that's, that's a pretty scary thing. So if you start getting into this, you know, it's, it, in my mind, it's very difficult to trace this all back to one op-ed. I mean, near impossible. And, you know, you have another thing. We're talking about the damages here. They got Disney's entire file related to uh, uh, Pirate 6. This op-ed wasn't in there. 
There was no discussion of this op-ed in there. They have to get over the hurdle that Disney may have just not wanted Johnny Depp to continue with the franchise. And in fact, before the op-ed came out, there was a published article that said Disney has decided to move on from Johnny Depp. And remember, every one of these is a hurdle for the jury. If the jury believes any of these things, whether it's the fact that he was going to get dropped anyways, whether it's the fact that there were other things that you've just raised that were was going to you know, be the influence of why his career plummeted, including that he wasn't making money at the box office like he had for many years. Any of those pitfalls and Johnny Depp loses this case. And Pirates 5 was very expensive and did not do as well as the other movies had done. Correct. Um, you know, a, a key part of this case has been the public posturing around it. I mean, this is an entirely self-inflicted wound, I'd call it. This case is, you know, did, this is not a divorce case where you are, you have to go through this in order to separate. Johnny Depp sued her for $50 million. She countersued for $100 million. This is a defamation case. It's not a divorce case. And they are choosing, he is choosing to go through with this. He says, because he wants his kids to know that he is not an abuser and that, you know, all drinking drugs, all the crazy stuff aside, being an abuser is beyond the pale. And he does not want anyone to think that he is an abuser. So he is enduring this entire this entire public case that has become a fascination. We saw this past week that Amber Heard fired her PR team after the first round of witnesses. What do you make of that? And do you think that's a sign that he essentially won the first round? I don't think he won the first round, but sometimes the press doesn't understand the intricacies of the legal system. For example, you know that uh, 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 Amber Heard's team made a motion to dismiss the case after Johnny Depp's side went forward. Now, that motion is 99.9% of the time fails. You were basically saying there's absolutely no merit to their case. But when you read the reports about it, it was like some huge victory for Johnny Depp, as if he even won most of the case. So what I take from it is, is that Johnny Depp potentially was winning, uh, uh, you know, in, in the field of public opinion. And I think that that probably was very troublesome to her. And, um, you know, I, I can imagine that that was what she felt and said, I need to start fresh. And I need when my witnesses go forward, I need to be winning that battle. And she's now going to testify. And I think that that's going to be so key to this case, because, I mean, how do you think he how do you think Depp did as a witness? See, I'm mixed on it. I'm totally mixed on it. I thought some days he, you know, the kind of dry you know, just the facts, admitting the drug and drinking and all the craziness. I thought that actually helped with his credibility and and he came across as being an honest and earnest about it. Um, I've talked to others who are watching it closely who are like, this is a crazy person. Who would ever award him damages on a defamation claim? It's almost like he's libel-proof. Well, I think somewhat both of those sentiments are correct. You know, for Johnny Depp and all of the skeletons that he has, 
he did a decent job in his presentation. He was a well-prepared witness. The problem is when you show this person on cross-examination text messages I know. talking about the horrendous things he wanted to do. The, the issue here was not whether Johnny Depp was a good or bad witness. The issue was whether Johnny Depp should have brought this claim. So he had to get on that stand and talk about this in the first place because I took away from his testimony that he was damaged. Okay. And like I say, that's his best case. I always tell my clients when they when, when I'm on the defendant side and they're miserable when they hear the other person on the stand lying. And I say, but wait, that's their best case. And it wasn't so good. Now, Amber Heard's going to get on the stand and talk about the really bad things without Johnny Depp having a chance to say another word about it. So, I, I you know, again, he was a well-prepared witness. But the subject matter and the reality and the text messages and even some of his witnesses who kind of indicated that, you know, it took two to tango when both of them were doing a little dancing. The texts were the worst. I yes. mean, I, I just and, and the fact that it was with famous people like Paul Bettany and others, it's, it's just like it just gives you such a gross feeling when you're seeing this guy. This is the way he was privately talking about his wife. Really? Right. Um, but I just don't, you know, and, and the jury ultimately is the one that matters here because they're seeing this. And I just wonder if they are looking at this and they're saying, okay, this is, we're drawing a line here between an, a, you know, a dysfunctional, clearly dysfunctional relationship and what she is alleging in the op ed, which is that she is a victim of domestic abuse. And I, and I just don't know if the jury is going to make that clear delineation. A lot of that is going to be Amber Heard's team making sure they know what domestic abuse is. All right. That is the most important part of that piece of the trial. The damages thing revolves around when it happened, what caused. But the fact is domestic abuse is a very, very, very broad term. And it involves more than just bruises to your face. And if they can tell the jury there was a, a, a testimony about how uh, uh, Am uh, Johnny Depp kicked the back of her seat in an airplane talking about, uh, you know, some of her co-stars and her relationships with them. The controlling nature of a person and the domestic abuse is about control. It's not about physical violence. It's about the person not feeling that they can have relationships with other people, that you, they have to defer to you on how their life is going to be is domestic abuse. And if they can expand that definition. Beyond, you have to be, did he punch her or, or, or hit her so bad that she was in the hospital? And the fact is, did she fight back sometimes? That doesn't make it domestic abuse or not. Domestic abuse is very broad. And if they can broaden that definition, then he is in trouble. Do you think it was a smart move on their part to say that she is the abuser in this relationship? Um, I think that that's a risky line you walk when you're accusing uh, a woman in a relationship of being a, an abuser when the allegations against you are so horrific? I mean, I think it was a very risky thing. I think they played on that tape, which they put forth where she was basically saying them, oh yeah, go forward to the public and tell them that you, Johnny Depp, was abused. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that, that to me was probably the most hurtful thing that's come out against her, where mm -hmm. she's taunting him. OK, and saying, you know, I dare you to go tell people that I'm abusing you. Um, but yes, that's it. I think that um, both sides in their claim and counterclaim are trying to oversell something. Mm -hmm. OK, and I do 
agree that she didn't have to, you know, that, that he didn't have to say that he was the victim of her. He, he could have said this was a tumultuous relationship. You know, I, I took, I gave, and, you know, both of us made mistakes and we argued too much. That's relatable to people. You know, relationships, and this is something I do every day, people fight, they argue, unfortunately, and it never should. It even gets violent. But sometimes it's not one perpetrator and one victim. It's both parties acting irresponsibly, I think. And I think this is what you're alluding to. I think that was the smarter way to go as opposed to poor Johnny Depp. And, you know, it plays on our, our, you know, the way we look at society. It's very hard for, you know, a man to come forward and say, my wife beat me up. And, you know, I was totally a victim because there's a lot of people. Remember, there's 11 men on that jury. OK, there may be a couple who say, I just don't believe that would ever happen. Right. True or not. Right. Um, so getting back to the damages question, we're about to hear her and her experts talk about the damages that she has incurred. Um, because remember, she is now suing him in the countersuit for one hundred million dollars. Right. And there's been some allegations in the court papers that have come up that she was nearly dropped from the Aquaman two sequel. Turns out she wasn't dropped. She got to be in that movie, but she wasn't able to negotiate a significant raise. She claims uh, like some of the others in the cast did. And that goes to her question of, you know, how these, this whole noise around Johnny Depp had impacted her. What do you think of her potential damages claims? Do you think that, This what he has said and what his previous lawyer, Adam Waldman, said really did damage her. So I think her damage claim is easier to prove than his. Oh, wow. Interesting. Because I think if you look at the facts, her career was on an upward trajectory. Okay, Mm -hmm. she just got two of the biggest films. And now, again, she was playing the same character in both, but the Justice League and Aquaman. And she her career was on an upward trajectory. And that's what you have to look at. It's the before and after. Okay, when you look at these lost wages claims. All right. What were you making before alleged incident? And again, they're looking at one thing. Her claim is that there was a series of events. That occurred with what uh, his lawyer, you know, really did for him. You know, I think Johnny Depp saying I didn't say anything, but the lawyer did. But they're arguing this agency theory that he put him in play. But I believe that, you know, she the before and after is a lot more clear than his because his movies were on the, you know, you could argue his movies weren't grossing what they used to. He had all these other things we've already talked about that we don't have the drinking and the diva and the, mm-hmm. you know, someone calling him a wife beater. So I think her damages claims are easier. Um, in terms of, you know, the causation. Um, but because I haven't seen the financial arguments, whether it's really adds up to $100 million, that's a very, very uh, high mark to prove. But I think in terms of whether there was damages or not, as a result of this, um, I think hers are easier because of the absence of these other complicating factors. And, and I've talked to people at Warner Brothers who made both Justice League and Aquaman in the sequel, And, you know, the argument internally at Warner Brothers is that not many people, Jason Momoa, perhaps maybe one or two others, got big raises for Aquaman 2. So the actual dollar amount that she would have been able to negotiate might not have been huge. 
we noticed that, you know, there was some allegation that, you know, maybe her chemistry with Momoa wasn't great. I don't believe that. I do think that she, her role in the sequel was probably minimized because of all of this stuff going on. Um, you know, no one's said that for sure. And I haven't seen the film, but she is said to be a much smaller part of the sequel than she was in the, in the first one. Um, and, you know, we don't see her in other franchise movies since then. I mean, they, you know, Depp has mostly done endorsements and he's done a couple small independent movies, but he has not worked in a studio movie since Fantastic Beasts 2. And he was dropped right, you know, right around the time of that um, UK verdict. She also has not worked in a big studio movie. And you could make the argument that there's no other stuff around her. This is it. So why has she not worked in a big studio movie? Right. And remember, this is this was the point of her op-ed piece. This is what she said. When people like me come forward, Hollywood destroys me. That has to change. You know, she's you know, if, if I'm her lawyers, when I'm arguing to the jury, I'm talking about that, whether it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, whether it's, you know, the 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 fact that I would take her op-ed piece, put it up on the screen and start arguing what's happened in her life. All right. She's living that. OK. And 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 that's you know, could be very effective for her side, all right, that, that you know, she's been silenced like so many other women and make this a Me Too. Again, it's 11 men, one woman. So you have to also make this about, you know, sexual abuse. And, 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 and so the men think about their, this could be my sister, this could be my daughter, this could be my granddaughter, we need to take a stand. But, you know, there is a, a real connection that they can make to what, you know, what started all of this and what's happened to her. All right. That's a fascinating argument. Um, we're going to see when Amber Heard testifies. Maybe we'll check in with you at the end of the trial. I appreciate your time. Thank you to Brett Ward. Uh, we will talk to you soon. Thank you very much. All right. We are back with the call sheet, my daily prediction. Craig, did you watch the Chappelle video? Yeah. So if 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 Will Smith's incident was the slap, what's this? The, the bump? I don't know. The tackle? The half tackle? Didn't do a great job. He didn't wrap up. I, I don't know. The fact that Chris Rock was there at Hollywood Bowl when this happened is like kind of amazing. Perfect. Him coming up and making the Will Smith joke. Also, this guy apparently had a fake gun that could eject a blade out of it. I know, which seems kind of dumb. If you're going to sneak a blade into a concert, why disguise it as a gun? <laughs> it's the last thing. Like, Make it a wallet or a water bottle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. So it's funny. I, there's been three of these now. If you count the slap and you count sort of what happened to Olivia Wilde at CinemaCon where someone breached security and got in and served her child custody papers. It wasn't exactly a tackling, but it was a breach of security. And then we got this. That's three instances now in less than a month or two months where performers on stage have had their kind of sanctity violated there. And I, I got to think that this is going to spark some kind of a reaction in, I think, my prediction is the California legislature will get involved and that there will be additional requirements of venues to have certain amount of security, to have protocols in place for performers. Um, the, the unions and the powers that be in Hollywood typically will lobby for these kinds of, of laws. You know, there was a lot of attention around 
safety and of you know paparazzi and there were laws in california that were passed that were anti-paparazzi lawsuits when there were some accidents um you know car accidents and such there have been laws preventing paparazzi from taking photos on property um there was a specific law that was enacted after an actress was shot and killed by a fan at her home uh, a couple a couple decades ago and i think that this is a kind of instance where it's easy for the California legislature to get involved and say, we're going to enact a law to require a certain amount of security. So I think that will happen in the next year or so. And I would not be surprised if in the next week or so, we saw calls for that within the industry. Yeah, this can't happen. I mean, this is like unacceptable. Chappelle's going to have to start doing, or everyone is going to have to start doing shows like hovering on a platform above the stage, above the audience. And it's funny, like Hollywood Bowl, it's not that easy to get on stage. I'm, I'm very curious how this happened, because unless you're coming directly from the crowd in front and just kind of hopping up, it's, you know, you, there's not like you can't just walk on the side and come up there. You kind of either have to come from the front or the back. So I think we're going to get a big investigation into how this actually happened. Um, and of course, I'm sure Chappelle is already writing jokes about it. I'm actually going to see Mulaney on Saturday night at the Bowl. Um, I hope no one attacks him, but I'm sure he'll have something to say about it too. Yeah, he has less haters than Chappelle, I think. He does. I mean, maybe his ex-wife will come up and say something, but I <laughs> other than that, I don't think he's got the level of, you know, the first thing Chappelle said after it happened was, is, was that a trans man? So he kind of brought it back to his weird infatuation with transgender people, which I think is troubling and odd. Uh, but Yeah, and Mulaney doesn't have the frame to withstand a tackle like that, so we'll see. No, I mean, Chappelle is jacked. I mean, people are sharing photos online today about you know how buff Chappelle is. I would not want to try to tackle that. No, he took the hit well. He didn't fall. First rule footballs wrap up. This guy didn't do that. <laughs> All right, we'll see what happens. All right, that is the show. I want to thank Brett Ward. I want to thank producer Craig Horbeck. And I want to thank you. We will see you tomorrow. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.